Hi, listeners. Welcome to the Grief Out Loud podcast produced by the Dougie Center for Grieving Children. I'm Jana DeCristofaro and wanted to give you just a little heads up as you listen to this episode, you'll be hearing references to our old name, which was Dear Dougie. So just so you don't get too confused, you're listening to the right podcast and we look forward to bringing you even more great content under the Grief Out Loud name. Thanks for joining us. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 28 of the Dear Dougie podcast. Can't believe we're getting so close to episode 30. And the Dear Dougie podcast is produced by the Dougie Center for Grieving Children in Portland, Oregon. My name is Jana DeCristofaro. After over 30 years of listening to the stories of grieving children, teens, and adults in our grief support groups, we wanted to share what we've learned from them with the larger community. This podcast is a way to open up the often avoided conversation about grief. While we all experience loss during our lives, when it occurs, most of us don't know what to do, how to feel, or how to talk about it. So whether you're grieving a loss or wanting to support someone who is, we're here to answer the questions that matter to you. Today I'm joined by my colleague, Joan Schweizerhoff, who is back for the second time on the podcast. Welcome, Joan. Thank you. A pleasure to be here. Thanks for being here. I asked Joan to join me today so that we could focus this episode on... How do you talk to children and teens after they've experienced a suicide death? For those of you who are regular listeners, you may have already heard our past three episodes where we talked about the research, the terminology, some of the more general concepts around suicide, but we haven't yet talked really specifically of how do you talk to kids? How do you talk to teens? How do you help them when they've experienced a suicide death? And Joan's the perfect person to be on this podcast because she uh, joins us with over two decades worth of professional experience working every week with kids who've experienced a suicide death. And she also has a personal connection to the issue as she supported her two teenage stepsons after her husband and their father died by suicide. So Joan, maybe we jump right in with the number one question we get all the time from parents and from other caregivers, which is, how do I tell my child that someone in their life has died by suicide? And when I'm listening to people ask me that question, the sort of underlying question behind it, the one that's not spoken is usually, do I have to tell my children? Tell us a little bit about your take on that. I think that one of the concerns that families have is that because suicide is such a stigmatized death, that there is a community um, concern about how they might react react to that. And so um, people just are afraid that their children aren't going to be able to handle that situation or aren't going to be able to handle the criticisms or the comments that other people might have um, because it's an adult issue. And what we find with children is that they will know the information, they will hear the information um, in some way, whether the parents tell them directly or whether they see it um, on Facebook or they hear parents talking about it or, uh, or some other people in the community come to them and, and tell them directly. So our take on that for adults is to say, if you tell the children the truth honestly, then they will hear it from someone who is caring for them as opposed to hearing it in a way that might be not helpful or destructive to them. And maybe not as accurate and as well. oftentimes not as accurate. So we have adults who they hear that they you know their their husband, their wife, their parent, whoever it is that's died by suicide, they're struggling to understand what that means for them. And they've been raised in a climate in our culture which stigmatizes suicide death. So they're already coming to the table with a lot of obstacles to talking openly with kids. What are some ways that you help? parents and caregivers understand how important it is to tell kids the truth. We've talked about how 
if, if adults aren't telling them, they may hear it from somewhere else or they may already know. What are some of the challenges that come up for kids when they aren't hearing it from their, their I th- caregivers? I think that, that um, when children aren't hearing the truth or have this sixth sense that says, I know something else is going on, um, they make up a story for themselves to make sense of it because they realize that the information that they're getting is not right. The adults don't come across as, as honest as, as they might if it's the truth. So they start making up their own stories. And um, oftentimes their own stories um, are even more uh, tragic or more concerning for a child than if they hear the truth. And so it seems it, like, too, a lot of kids more tragic, more concerning, and somehow they, they take it on themselves if they aren't getting the, the honest information from the adults in their lives. They think the adults aren't telling me. They keep whispering every time I come in the room or they stop whispering when I come in the room. Maybe it's something I did. Maybe that's why daddy's not here. Exactly. And so, and, and you know, when we look at the, at the issues of suicide death, and, and I'm sure that we talked about that in the earlier podcast, that, that it is a issue of someone's brain not working correctly, that there are issues in the brain. And, and we look at it to say to, a ch- to a, an adult, if he, your person had died of a heart attack, how would you tell your child? What would you share with your child? And how is this different for you? And try to help them to understand that it isn't this big, horrible, stigmatized death. It is a person who was suffering intense pain in their mind that they couldn't stop. And that that's that they that the reason for the suicide death was because they needed to stop that pain, and that's the only way that they knew to do it. Um, and so if we can help people to understand that there, it, it is a... Uh, a physical condition, a mental illness, a disease, rather than this horrible stigmatized death. Um, I think it's helpful for people to be able to then tell their children in an honest way. Which seems like it would also help with some of the fear I hear from a lot of adults of, you know, if I tell them their dad died by suicide because dad was sad, and then what about next time they're sad? Are they going to think that they should do this? And being able to distinguish for kids. Same way we wouldn't say grandma was really sick and died without naming what grandma died from. She had leukemia or she had, um, you know, another disease that has a name. Same thing with talking with kids that, you know, what dad had is more than just being sad, like you and I get sad. There's a, there's a bigger thing going on. Something wasn't working in his brain. So he had something called depression or anxiety or he struggled with addiction and feel like they should do the same thing. Exactly. The other thing I think about when I talk to adults who are concerned about sharing that information with kids is figuring out like what's, what's the holding them back? What's their biggest fear around that? And, and for a lot of adults, it's their own it can be their own embarrassment or their own fear of how people are going to treat them differently. And I remember talking with, with a, a mom one time that her ex-husband had died from a drug overdose. And she was so she had so much shame and embarrassment of having been married to someone who struggled with drugs and alcohol. That was her issue. And she was kind of putting that on to her kids and trying to protect them. And they, she had told her son, you know, well, daddy just fell asleep and he just didn't wake up in the morning. And the son came to group and was so worried about going to sleep at night because if daddy could go to sleep and not wake up, am I going to go to sleep and not wake up too? And so when that mom realized how it was negatively affecting her son not to have the story, it seemed to help her to be like, oh, this is mine and I get to work on my own shame and embarrassment about this, but I get to provide my son with honest information that's going to alleviate a lot of anxiety for him. I had um, a family who the, the father had died of suicide and the mom told her son that he had died in an accident. 
and um, he always kind of had a sense that something was wrong with that story, but you know didn't know because he trusted the adult. And then her, his sis, his aunt, um, died of suicide, and the mom said, "I need to tell him now." Um, and so she came to us and said, "What do I say?" Because I told him all along that his dad had died of an accident. Um, and so we talked about how important it was to just sit down with him and to say, I made a mistake, I thought I was doing the right thing, um, and I, when I told you Dad died in an accident, that's not really what happened. Um, he died from suicide, and his sister, your aunt, also died that same way. Um, and the, the young boy, when he heard that, burst into tears, and he said, I'm so glad that you told me because I was I was so worried that it was, it was something that I had done, mm -hmm. it was my fault, mm -hmm. um, and now I understand that it's not. Right, so there's the, the sadness and the heartbreak of the reality of what happened, but then there's things that as adults we can do to mitigate all the additional layers of guilt and shame and fear and worry that kids can have about that. Right. And I think, too, about for adults, like to keep something from their child that's so present in their life, to have to keep that under wraps, that takes so much energy. Yes. And grief's exhausting enough as it is, and... You know, I share with parents sometimes of think about how much energy it takes you just to get up out of bed every morning with the reality of what's happened and then how much energy you're having to put in to keep the, you know, keep the covers on all this, this information and how much more energy you'd have available to you if you didn't have to. Exactly. Um, and that can bring a lot of relief to some adults exactly. too. Um, and I think the other fear that, that a lot of parents talk about is they're worried that if they talk about the fact that it was a suicide death that that will put in their mind of their child that mm. they too could die from suicide, that that's an option available to them. And they think, if I don't talk about it, then they won't know that that's an option. And what we know in you know all of the movies and the reading and the um, social media that's out there, there's a lot of information about suicide. So it's not uh, would not be a surprise for a child to hear about a suicide death. Mm -hmm. They hear about it all the time. They see about it all the time. And what we know is that talking about it does not cause a suicide death. Um, and I think that that's, that helps to relieve families as well to know that just because it happened and that you talk about it and that you share it, um, it's not going to cause that, that person to die of suicide as well. In fact, um, with with some of the issues around suicide, around depression, some of the mental illnesses that might be a genetic issue, um, you can help the, the family to understand that this is a risk factor that they need to pay attention to. And here are some things that you do if you're starting to feel um, some of the, the signs of depression or uh, other mental illnesses to do something and to get treatment um, and not end up um, cycling into a, a depression that causes someone to end up yeah, with Yeah, similar such pain. to if you have a family history of heart disease or a family history of diabetes and how you might do additional screening or preventative um, work to keep yourself healthy and safe in that way and that family's opening up about talking about the struggles of mental illness and addiction and other things that had oftentimes can be a part of suicide, how much um, more communication can happen between kids and adults when that foundation has been set. And for adults to say, like, I will be honest with you. You can come to me with your questions. I will try my best to answer them. And also to say, you know, I think of my, when I'm sitting with a child who's grieving, I want to show them that I'm not afraid of their story and I'm not afraid of them. And so as a parent or a caregiver to say, this is a really heartbreaking thing that's happened in our family, but I'm not afraid of it and I'm not afraid of you because of it. Um, seems to help kids know, like, whew, at least I've got, like, home base. Right, and that, that I can talk about anything with my mom or mm -hmm. my dad or the person who's uh, surviving with them. Yeah. 
All right, so we, we get to this place where we're like, okay, here's a good reason to talk to kids honestly about it. But then it's like, okay, well, then what do I say? <laughs> so what would you say to an adult who had maybe a three or a four or a five-year-old at home if they needed to share the news that someone died? The, the, the stories that my kids use when they come to the Dougie Center are stories like um, they would say, my daddy's brain wasn't working right. Um, and he, one, one child said he made a really bad choice or made a really bad decision. Um, other kids do, uh, often talk about that that um, there was something, um, some pain in with Daddy that they couldn't um, fix, and um, that's the reason why he um, died. And do, for kids that young, do some of the kids know how the person died of suicide? Like my dad shot himself, or my dad hanged himself? Absolutely. In fact, I have a um, a child right now who talks about how his dad. Um, put the bullet into the gun, and he turned the gun the wrong way and shot himself in the heart. Um, I have kids who talk about the, their parent who um, jumped off of a bridge or who hung themselves in the closet. So the children do, because they might ask that, um, we really recommend that people be honest and, and tell them the truth about what happened, not necessarily going into lots of detail because that's not necessarily what they need at that age, but they might ask that question after you say he, da he died. They might say, how did he die? And then it's, it's important to be honest and share that. And so it might be something really simple like daddy took too many pills that the doctor gave to him or daddy um, jumped off of a bridge. So something really simple. And then it sounds like letting their questions guide what else you might share. Exactly. Depending. And usually they don't have a lot more questions um, at that age. They, that's usually all that they need. The one thing that you'll find um, kind of surprising, I think, for a lot of parents with those young kids is that they tell everybody in the world what happened. And so you're in the grocery store, you're at the gas station, and they say, my daddy died, he shot himself. Um, that's the way they process their Which grief. Which be real hard and for the adults in their lives. It's very <laughs> challenging for the adults and, and for the people hearing the stories. You know, they get, you know, really kind of frozen, like, well, what do I say or what do I do about that? Mm -hmm. But just to be prepared to know that that, that may happen mm -hmm. with your kids um, because that's the way they talk about any kind of death. Any child at that age will talk about that kind of death. And hopefully more and more people are listening to our podcast and so they will feel more comfortable when the three-year-old comes to them in the grocery store and says, this is my chocolate bar and did you know my daddy died? Mm -hmm. All in the same sentence. Exactly. And so for yeah, kids who are really young, they don't seem to have yet figured out or been socialized into that discomfort that other people have around grief. But then we start seeing six, seven, eight, nine, usually around eight, nine is when I see most kids being like, oh, you might have a story about my story or you might have a feeling about me based on my story. So what are some of the things that you've heard um, that kids of that age need when talking about a suicide death? I think that what's helpful for them is to have strategies um, that help them to know what to say or what to do when those kind of t topics come up in school. So some of the strategies for kids might be um, you don't have to tell them. If you don't feel comfortable sharing how the person died, you just say, I don't feel comfortable sharing that. Um, so that's one, one strategy that they can do. They can be you know, honest and direct and say, my dad shot himself, my dad um, jumped from a bridge. Um, but understanding the reaction that they might get from other kids around that, um, I think is important to be able to say. And so when kids seem shocked or seem 
um, upset about that, then what do you do? So that they know when those kinds of situations come up that they can make choices about how they're going to handle it. Whether they tell the information or they don't tell the information is up to them, and it's important to have the strategies to deal with that. So kind of helping them prepare. And I imagine the adults in their life have already gone through their own experiences of going back to work or connecting with friends and family and responding to other people's emotions and reactions. So they've already got a good um, kind of repertoire of things they can talk with their kids about. And one of the things that, that we talk, we find happen a lot with families is that there are people who just disappear from your life. They don't know how to deal with suicide. They don't know how to respond to it, or they're just so afraid um, of the, the topic itself that they just disappear from these people's lives. And um, so just to warn or prepare kids for that, I think is really important. It's not anything that you did or said that is causing your friend not to want to spend time with you, that they're just some people who just don't understand suicide, mm -hmm. um, death, and don't understand how to be able to um, to react or respond to you. So they're just going to stay away from you. It's a reassurance. It's not something you did wrong. And exactly. it's not something that's wrong with you. Yeah. So when we think about kids who have had a suicide death, whether they're three or eight or 14, what are some of the things that you have come across in your years of working with kids in this situation that are maybe unique to a suicide death or, or an added layer to a child who's maybe had someone die from a heart attack or a car crash? Um, I think one of the first things that comes up is that the whole question of why. Um, why did this happen? Why did it happen to me? Why did my mom... Um, leave me? Why did she, you know, um, decide that she, that I was not lovable enough for her to stay here? So those are kinds of questions that really come up a lot for, for the kids after a suicide death that are um, more easily explained, I think, um, if it was a heart attack. Mm. Yeah. What are some of the things you've heard people, like maybe parents can answer, how they could answer those questions, or ways that you've seen kids kind of make sense of that for themselves? I think that it's perfectly um, acceptable to say, I don't know, if you truly don't know the answer. When somebody said, why did he die um, from suicide? Why did he take his own life? The, the, the answer can be, we don't know. We, you know, I have no, I don't know. Here's some things that might have contributed to that, some of the things that um, might be a part of that, but we don't know for sure why now, why him, that sort of thing. So it's okay to say that with kids, um, but not to say it if you know. So the mm. answer to the question, how did he die? I don't know. Mm -hmm. You know, if you do know, it's, it's important to tell right. the truth. But there are some questions like the why questions that we don't know. Like as adults, we can model how we're uh, sorting through all those things. Exactly. Well, I know, you're, you know your dad really did struggle with depression for many years. And he also struggled with, you know, drug and alcohol addiction or whatever it might be. But I don't know the actual reason why, why he chose that particular day. The, those things I don't know. I'm not sure. What are, what are your ideas? And oftentimes you turn it back to kids and they have all kinds of ideas for why it might be. Exactly. And, and I think that that's really important for the adults to be able to listen to what the kids have to say. Um, and I think that's probably the, the greatest gift to the child is, is rather than having all the answers, just to ask the, the children the questions, what, what, what are you thinking, what's going on for you? Um, one of the little boys, um, in a very young child, said, I think that the reason that my dad died was because mom said he did something bad, and I think what he did bad was he said a bad word. Oh, so so the child six, is trying to make sense, and that's the worst thing that you could do is say some bad words. <laughs> and so that must have been the reason why he died. And, and it's because the adults didn't give him enough information. Mm -hmm. um, but listening to him, it's, it gives you the opportunity to, to, if he is making up stories that, that aren't making sense or that maybe destructive for him, that you can help to correct those 
that, that misinformation for them. Which brings up another really good point around, you know, when we want to answer kids' questions. Sometimes kids ask questions, but we, we might mishear what they're actually asking. So what tips do you have for parents to really get to the core of what the question is a child's asking? I think one of the, the best ways to do it is to repeat the question. So you're wondering what it was that caused your dad to die. And that may or may not be the question that the child has. And if it's not, they'll say, no, that's not what I'm asking. <laughs> right. um, and what I want to know is, what did he do? You know, and then you, then you can be specific with the answer that they're asking. So I think that that's one thing that's really helpful. Oh, and a big one, too, is like, where's, where's mommy now? Uh-huh. And as adults, we might hear that as like a bigger, you know, existential question of like, where is mommy? And then what do we talk about that? But for a child, they might be like, where is mom's? Body, body right now at the funeral home mm-hmm. you know is the answer to that question right yeah. so, so repeating the question back to the kids asking them their ideas can oftentimes elicit what's their specific questions because exactly. they can be answering that accurately and and it's not uncommon for kids when they ask questions is that they really want to tell you what they know mm-hmm. and so it's important for you to be able to say, elicit that from them um, so that you can get their information what they know what they think what they're concerned about um, and so I think that's that's a helpful way to get to those issues. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering, so we talked about how important it is to tell the truth, maybe some ways to have actually saying that. And it sounded like, you know, honey, we have some really sad news. Daddy died. He died by suicide. And kind of go from there of what else kids need to know um, in terms of details, depending on their age, too, using different language. And then do you have a sense of some specific ways to support kids? I mean, I think all our general things hold true of giving kids choices and providing a lot of consistency and routine. Um, being flexible, though, and when they need different different um, accommodations for things. Are, are there specific things around kids who've had a suicide death that you found in your groups that can be helpful? I think that, that um, being able to talk about the issues and the concerns that they have. So, you know, one of the concerns that, that comes up a lot for our kids is um, the guilt, you know, I wasn't home that night when my dad killed himself, or I wasn't, I, I decided to, to um, stay at a friend's house instead of come home. And had I been home, maybe I would have been able to stop him from doing that. Had I taken the gun away from him, had I, you know, made sure that there weren't any pills in the house. So a lot of times kids will take on that, that responsibility or that guilt of it was somehow they could have stopped it. Um, so that's a, that's oftentimes a huge issue that that when we talk about it, some of the other kids in the group will say, "Do you really think that that would have stopped them?" You know, um, or I thought that too for a while, but now I realize that you know there was nothing that I could have done. Mm-hmm. So I think um, having having the opportunity to talk about it and to really look realistically at some of the issues that are coming up for them um, is one way that'd be helpful. And so if if you're home and you're a parent and you've got your kid and you don't have a group of other kids who can say, hey, yeah, me too. I imagine as an adult, you could say, you know, it's really interesting, Taylor, that you mentioned that because I think all kinds of things and I wonder throughout the day if I could have done something different and here's what I've decided. Even though I think that, I know I really couldn't have done anything. Um, so there's a way, even if it's if you're not in a support group, to be able to get that reassurance. And I think a lot of times people want to fix it for kids um, and make it better and to say, oh, no, 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 it wasn't your fault. Um, you didn't do anything wrong. And although that's a message that's helpful for the adults, oftentimes it's not helpful for the kids um, because they need to come to that for themselves. And so being able to help them investigate, you know, what could you have done? Do you think that was really realistic? Um, Helps them to to make that decision for themselves Mm -hmm. as opposed to somebody saying, you know, trying to make it better for them by saying, oh, it wasn't your fault. Don't feel that way. Exactly. 
I imagine, too, there's a way for adults to let kids talk about what they are concerned about and also share their perspective. Like, oh, you know, honey, I, I would never expect that that's something you would be able to do because I know it was something I couldn't do, but tell me more about what you're thinking about that. So you can provide both that, like, I don't hold you accountable and I want to make sure there's space for you to talk about the ways that you are worried that you were. Um, sometimes if, the, if there was a lot of mental illness that was happening in the family and it was causing craziness, kids couldn't bring friends home because they didn't know how mom was going to be or how brother was going to act if you know anybody was in the house, that sometimes they feel really a real relief that that person isn't going to make their life crazy anymore. Um, and that's one that is really challenging for a lot mm -hmm. of people to look at because they think, oh my gosh, you can't feel, you shouldn't feel you know, that way, um, when every feeling that a child has is, is legitimate and, and it's okay. And you'll hear that sometimes with kids who maybe someone died from um, cancer or another long-term illness um, from the body, not just from the brain. But there's a sense with that one, it seems like, of, well, I'm just glad they're not in pain anymore. And, and I've heard some of the teens in my group get to that place for people who have died by suicide of, you know, they were in so much pain. And, I, and I'm relieved because they were in a lot of pain and it was a lot of suffering for them and it, and it created a lot of chaos in my life. So I think sometimes that can switch as kids grow older and, and as adults are processing it as well. You have a teen who, who says, I am glad that my brother is finally dead because he wasn't a nice person. You know, how, can, how often can you say that, that and where can you say that? Right. You know, because he was not a nice person. He was doing drugs. And now he realizes, you know, that was when he first started coming. And now he realizes that his, that his brother really had a, a, a mental illness and that he wasn't being mean or bad um, because, you know, that's the way he was. It was that he had this, this mental illness that caused him to be that way. Mm -hmm. um, and he said it wasn't his fault. Um, but it took him some time to come through through that to to that point of saying, yeah, yeah. I've, I've, it just makes me think of a, a younger girl I had in a group. Her dad died of a brain tumor, and he was real cranky for a long time. And they didn't know he had a brain tumor. And when they finally realized that, she still struggled with like, well, I think my dad just didn't like me. But as she got older, she was able to recognize just how much of an impact that physical limitation and that illness was creating on his personality. Um, so it sounds like it's really similar for kids who've had a suicide death. Exactly. In our last few moments, one of the things we talked quite a bit about, and Donna and I talked about this in the past episodes, is how when someone dies by suicide, how they die oftentimes can eclipse who they were and their life. And is there something that you do with kids to help them remember who the person was and how they lived and not just how they died? I think that um, a lot of the work that we do um, in, in our groups and with kids individually is as to have them share. What do you remember about? What was the bravest thing your dad did? What was the most kind thing your mom did? So having them thinking about the stories um, of things that they did that were positive, that there was a, a good part of their life too. Um, and, you know, recognizing that there were some challenges in their life as well. You don't want to, you know, be sugarcoating it or put mm -hmm. them up on a pedestal. But but being able to say, you know, my, my mom had some really good things and she had some really bad things. Uh, my dad was really uh, abusive to me and he used to beat me and I didn't like that at all. But, you know, sometimes we went to the park and that was really fun. Or he taught me how to fish or whatever those memories are. So exactly. helping kids remember those things about the person's life and as adults to model that too to say you know I really remember how um, how kind your dad was every time it got close to Thanksgiving he really helped me out with all the shopping and the cooking um, as a way to 
kind of have that full spectrum memory of the person who died. And, and that really changes over time. Um, a lot of times kids, when they're younger, um, just want to know um, about the person who died. Um, and as they grow older, they want to know more about the personality or the characteristics. I remember um, when my when my one of my sons turned 21, he said, "I'm really sad that my dad died. I really was looking forward to getting to know him as an adult. I only knew him as a parent, and um, he, you know, he was a really good guy, and I was really looking forward to that. Mm -hmm. um, and that was his loss. And and what what for for me is is helpful for him is to be able to tell him what his dad was like. Um, but he didn't need that when he was younger. He needed um, to know his favorite ice cream. Exactly. And where he liked to go on vacation. And, 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 like and remembering the fishing trips that we went on and the camping trips and, and those kinds of stories and looking at pictures and saying, remember when we did this or remember when we did that. But when he got to be you know, a young adult, he really needed to know what his, the character of his dad mm -hmm. was. He wanted to know how he, in, in some ways, is like him and how he is different from him. And I think that's a really important uh, role that the adults can play in the children's lives as they grow older is to share... Um, the person that he was. There was something wonderful about that person that that um, you loved and cared for. And what are those pieces that are in the children as mm -hmm. well? To help them to reflect back who that person was. Exactly. Well, thank you, Joan, so much for sharing all of your expertise. I have a feeling we might have a follow-up because there's so much more to talk about with this issue. We just touched the surface. We didn't get through half of what we were going to talk about today. Well, thanks, everyone, for listening. Um, and, yeah, stay tuned. I'm sure there will be another episode with Joan talking more about how to support kids and teens who have had a suicide death. And if you'd like to learn more about the Dougie Center or listen to any of our past episodes, you can find us at D-O-U-G-Y dot You can also check us out on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. And we really want to make sure that this podcast is talking about the things that you want to know more about. So if you have any ideas or questions and suggestions for future episodes, send them our way at help at Dougie.org and just throw podcasts somewhere there in the subject line. Thanks for listening and join us again next time. Thanks for listening.